This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 162 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Alex Noga is a Solutions Engineering Manager at Recorded Future, and on this week's show, he joins us to share his insights on enhancing organizations' ability to make the most of the information they're gathering by adopting security intelligence. He'll explain how this approach helps analysts connect the dots and empowers them to focus on the signals that matter, all while blocking out the noise. Stay with us. I knew I was going to be in IT from an early age. Hmm. Uh, so back in back in high school, early high school, uh, I had you know family that was in tech, and from there, uh, I always heard about the latest and greatest you know devices that were coming out at the time, and you know from there, uh, I had a lot of computer equipment at home that I would just start tinkering with and rebuilding computers and uh, tearing them down, and then hmm. you know seeing what I could make out of them. What era are we talking about in terms of computers here? Uh, so more so in the early 2000s. Okay. So from there, it was, you know, mainly we had just, you know, gone from dial-up internet to, you know, a dedicated line. Mm. And from there, you know, just kind of continuing to to tinker a bit. Uh, for me, you know, there, there was a, an aha moment of this is pretty cool. You know, I can, you know, at least from the hardware side, I really got good at it, you know, mixing and matching and building computers and, you know, getting more into that. Probably a, another year or so later, I happened to be going, uh, browsing online, looking for cheat codes for the game I can't remember right now. but <laughs> As you do, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I found this cheat code. It was great. You know, had a great time with the game. And, and shortly after, the computer started doing some wonky things. And, mm. you know, the telltale signs for, you know, a virus or any kind of malware that you might see today. And so that kind of intrigued me. And I was like, well, I got to fix this. You know, we can't, can't have a computer at the house, you know, with pop-ups, you know, flailing right. across the screen and everything else. So... Uh, I started researching that, you know, the different error messages that were coming up. And, uh, you know, at the time I was uh, looking a lot into Symantec and they happened to have an article on how to manually remove this this virus and get your computer back to normal. So I followed that. And, you know, after that, that whole process, I was like, I've got to stick with this. This is really cool. I want <laughs> You were hooked. Exactly. You yeah. Know? And then family and friends from there, it was helping them out and and going through it. So at that point, I had an idea that not only was I going to be in iTech, in, you know, IT or in tech itself, but I was going to do, you know, more of something security uh, realm. Mm. And it wasn't, you know, the cybersecurity wasn't a thing yet. Right. And so at this point, are, are you still a teen? I'm still in, in high school. Yeah. So from there, you know, I hadn't even started looking for college, you know, where I wanted to go to school yet. So I ended up, being able to tailor all of my, you know, interested schools and in colleges that I wanted to look at around IT and specifically around any kind of IT security that, you know, may have been available at the time. And so uh, I, did you then head off to school? 
I did, yeah. So right after high school, I uh, went right into undergrad. Uh, from there, I was able to you know find a school with a program that had a, a bachelor's in IT with a concentration in uh, network security, and uh, I was able to minor in computer forensics. So that allowed me to do go down a little bit more of the security rabbit hole and you know grow the skill set in that area. And then, what was the the pathway to lead you to where you are today at Recorded Future? Yeah, so after uh, undergrad, I decided to go straight into grad school. Uh, I got my master's in computer information systems with a concentration in security again uh, to then you know level up once more. Uh, and while I was doing that in grad school at night, I was able to work full time for the same institution, uh, starting out as a help desk. So I uh, mm. started from the ground up, if you will, and ended up uh, working there. I was ended up doing patch management and, you know, uh, any kind of malware, um, you know, triage that happened to the those desktops, you know, while I was in that role. And from there, I, I moved into the security team at the same same university and was able to do a little bit more, uh, you know, security level work, more of security operations and uh, identity and access management. So working with permissions and a little bit of auditing of not only the user permissions, but then uh, the um, network traffic that you might see like a network status for the day of the the organization. Uh, And then from there, uh, after I finished grad school, uh, I had an itch that I needed to scratch, and I wanted to work in a SOC, get that experience, that exposure. Hmm. So I, I ended up working for uh, an FFRDC, uh, federally funded research and development facility that was uh, spinning up a 24-7 security operations center. Uh, hmm. So I was the second person onto that team, uh, helped them build their policies and their procedures that everyone in the in the SOC was going to follow. Uh, and that was a great experience to, you know, learn from the ground up and start triaging security alerts that might be coming in. Uh, from there, I moved into a more of a security operations role and engineering role where I was managing and maintaining different security tools uh, that w- the organization had and needed maintained. Uh, and after and during that time, I was reached out to uh, by Recorded Future and had the opportunity to go in a more uh, customer-facing role and work with uh, the clients that are here at Recorded Future and pull that threat intelligence data that uh, that's provided down into different tools and the workflows that uh, organizations are using today. Well, I, I want to dig in with you and, and go through uh, uh, some of the ways that threat intelligence is being used. I know there's a real focus there at Recorded Future on uh, this uh, notion that you're calling security intelligence. Um, let's start with that. I mean, how do you all define that? So for me and some of the things that I do within, you know, the threat intelligence space, uh, in, in the notion of security intelligence encompasses a bit more than just, uh, you know, what we traditionally think of threat intelligence, right? Hmm. It's a bit more of a, a broader a view, uh, within the intelligence space of not just focusing on maybe the uh, reactive piece of, you know, threat intelligence where you're going back and you're looking at indicators uh, or something that has already happened, 
but security intelligence doing a bit more of a proactive approach where uh, it's giving organizations the ability to use threat intelligence or security intelligence as a uh, something to help their organization, you know, build that wall and and help make sure that nothing gets in. Well, let's walk through together. I want to start by sort of reviewing some of, of the tools uh, in use today, the ways that threat intelligence is integrated into today's tools. Um, let's start with things like SIMS and, and incident response. How is it being applied there? In those two aspects, you know, we think of those as maybe traditional use cases or reactive use cases. So from, uh, you know, a SIM or, you know, which stands for the Security Incident and Event Management Tool, uh, you know, in that case, we're doing a lot of uh, enrichment and correlation that you're seeing in the industry today. Uh, so those use cases will be you have maybe IPs coming in uh, from your firewall that are being stored in a SIM. And then from there, you want to see maybe how malicious those IPs are being allowed uh, through the firewall. So you can get an idea of, you know, the, the riskiness of the traffic that's coming into your network. Uh, so that is some of the enrichment capabilities that can happen. Uh, and from a, a correlation standpoint, uh, you know, you can certainly take a lot of those different logs that you might have in a SIM environment and then pair that with that threat intelligence data to give you much more detail and context around maybe uh, where that traffic is coming from, where where else in the world it's been seen uh, using or, or doing any kind of act. And that's really the trick, I suppose, is that uh, is turning that uh, stream of data into actionable intelligence. Absolutely. And being able to, you know, know or have any sense of what that data or where it's been, uh, you know, right then and there without having to do any research is uh, the biggest value point with having uh, intelligence at all within the system and being able to make it. Now, it's my understanding that there are some emerging use cases for threat intelligence, um, things we're, we're hearing about in the industry like SOAR and um, use in, in firewalls and things like that. Can you take us through some of those things that are sort of on the leading edge? Yeah, absolutely. So if we take a look at you know some of the things that are starting to emerge, as you mentioned, you know, EDR, so endpoint detection and response, you're starting to see a lot more of data being pulled into those tools so that depending upon where organizations are in their current workflows or taking their analysts to go ahead and make decisions, we're going in and threat intelligence as a whole is being brought into those different workflows. So if an organization's a workflow and their analysts are working out of uh, an EDR solution, then threat intelligence is starting to be funneled into there to be actionable. So hmm. providing uh, any kind of enrichment on indicators that might be in there already. And that's the same with uh, a SOAR tool as well. So security orchestration, automation and response tools where uh, you know, you're automating a, maybe a workflow that an analyst may be doing manually what threat intelligence or security intelligence is allowing organizations to go ahead and provide enrichment or context to make a decision and continue the automated workflow without somebody. Uh, and some of those other tools include ticketing systems. So if organizations uh, mainly, you know, 
might be seen in socks where they're working a lot of out of different ticketing solutions, having that enrichment and that, that intelligence within the tickets themselves saves a lot of time because maybe someone is just looking at a different tab within a ticket and they're able to then quickly make a decision on if this ticket needs to go to the next level or, you know, it can, you know, then be moved on to the next. But what, what's the, the real world um, implications of this, the, the benefits of, of having this, uh, I guess, contextual information along with the data I'm receiving. If I'm someone operating in one of these environments, what's the advantage it gives me? So the advantages will include, you know, being able to take action faster without having to take that, that time to go and do the research on the indicator that might be uh, within that tool. Uh, you know, being able for resources, you know, an analyst to work uh, work on other bigger projects versus having to triage uh, alerts or investigate uh, incidents that may have happened that, you know, it may take you a prolonged period of time to to take care of those actions uh, or those processes and procedures where this intelligence is then allowing you to uh, quickly go ahead and take that action forward uh, without having to work. You know, the the intelligence will be able to allow organizations to uh, save time because the intelligence in that context they need to make a decision will happen a lot faster than if they had to do the research themselves. And then it will also allow that team to spend time on, you know, maybe other higher priority tasks uh, that may be important to the organization because the the different incidents that have to be triaged, you know, will be able to remediate faster. What are your recommendations, you know, for an organization who's uh, starting out this journey, who's uh, thinking about integrating this sort of thing into their systems? What's the best way to get started? Take a look at your current workflows uh, that you're working on now, the different tools that you're working in. You know, where does that path begin from start to finish? Uh, You know, what tools are you stepping through? What are you doing in each tool and then get an idea of where you think that that intelligence would best serve you uh, and what kind of intelligence. Uh, from there, you can get an idea of what some of the capabilities are uh, and then you know start exploring different options for uh, how that intelligence can serve you best in those tools. Is this kind of a, a walk-before-you-run sort of thing? Or, or are most organizations better off starting with a you know, a, a smaller integration in, in part of their system to, I don't know, ease in and, and see how it really how it really works with the way they do things? Is that is that a valid way to go at it? Yeah, and, and every organization is going to be different depending upon the, mat- the maturity of their team itself as their security mm. team or their uh, threat hunting team, whatever it may be, uh, depending upon, you know, how much maybe they've had exposure to intelligence before or used it in the past will certainly help determine, uh, you know, maybe how many tools or what tool to start with. And, you know, a lot of the different use cases that, you know, have been seen over the over time, uh, always a SIM tool is the best place to start because that's where a lot of an organization's uh, data, their logs from whether it's firewalls or endpoints, uh, are all funneling into that one location and having the enrichment and the correlation uh, done within that tool is certainly some of the best and most uh, useful places uh, and rewarding out of that that tool. Uh, 
and then it goes back to, you know, that's the best place to get the data out of. But where does your workflow take you if you're spending? And it also depends on the team as well. So mm-hmm. if you're working with a threat hunting team, for the most part, maybe they're working out of an incident response tool most of the time uh, or a SIM. But maybe if you're working a tool that has to do or a team that is more so on the uh, security operations side or maybe the network operations side, they may be working more out of a, a ticketing system depending upon different changes they have to make or monitoring of different aspects of the network. So maybe having that intelligence within a ticketing system would be more helpful to them. So a lot of it depends on the workflow. I think some of the, one of the other aspects that would be great to touch on is the the notion going forward of using intelligence to do uh, proactive uh, blocking. So within uh, firewalls, uh, intrusion detection systems, and intrusion prevention systems, you know, you're starting to see intelligence uh, walk down the path of being used within those tools, uh, almost thinking of, you know, these are IOCs or indicators that should be used on a, on a blocking level. So you might add these into your a block list within your firewall or IDS or IPS. So you're starting to see that that come down the pipeline. And we'll see more of that as uh, time progresses. Our thanks to Recorded Futures Alex Noga for joining us. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Futures Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thank you.